The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you check us out later on one of your favorite places to catch podcasts. And I promise everybody who's watching now, this head is not Photoshopped. This is real. I do read those comments. This is not a Photoshopped head, so just wanted to get that out there for you. But I, I watch those Tier Tuesday comments, but it is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we're, we're cruising through the NFL divisions right now. We're going to find out who's the king in the north. Yeah, there's uh, some true kings in the north, if you will, that bitter, both bitter divisions in the north. I mean, let's be honest, these two divisions, AFC and NFC, hated rivals in each. I know you could probably say that about a lot of the conferences, but then you can, there's a few that you could probably be like, eh, eh rivalry, that's a loose term. Uh, but no, this, these two divisions, I think it's safe to say there are huge rivalries at stake every time they play. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of bitter, bitter rivals going at it, trying to see who's, who's on top of the top of the north, if you will. Absolutely. You got some of the oldest ones. You got some of the newest ones. You got some of the most one-sided ones. You got a little bit of everything in these, and we're going to get right into it today. So we're ta- tackling the AFC and the NFC North today as well. So we got some fun divisions here, and you know what? I think we should start the NFC this week. We did AFC first last week. I think the NFC North should be this one as weekend. This division, I don't know about you, but it feels a lot more wide open than it has the last few years, both with Aaron Rodgers leaving, the Vikings winning it last year, but every damn game coming down to less than 10 points. Like I feel like this is arguably the most wide open division in in the game right now i feel like it's a possibility i don't i uh, you know it is one where you think that there's two favorites i feel like i think everybody thinks there's two thinks there's two favorites in this division uh, but then you also have the diehards that are not going to give up on history and they're like no we still have a chance and then there's the fourth team who might surprise some folks and make themselves a division contender so yeah i do i agree i think this might be the most wide open overall but I also think a lot of people are going to over overlook it because they're like, ah, it, it's the it's the Packers, eh, it's or eh, it's the Vikings. You know, they're not going to think about the Lions. They're not going to think about the Bears, and they they might be, be in for a rude awakening. Absolutely, there's definitely going to be some awakenings in this one, I think, as well too. So that's going to go ahead and jump us right into it. I'm going to lead, I'm going to lead us off this week. We're going to start with the NFC North, starting at the bottom, working our way to the top. Everyone knows the drill by now, but. I'm going to start at the bottom, and speaking of those Packers, I think they're going to bring up the rear this year in the division, but at a respectable 7-10 and 10 nonetheless. I don't think it's going to be a bad season by any means. You mentioned the first year without Aaron Rodgers since, what, 2005? First year without him as a starter since 2008, 2009? With the changing of the guard like that, you got to expect a little bit of a drop-off. Even if Jordan Love is outstanding, I'm not expecting him to jump right out of the gate and replace what Aaron Rodgers is giving you. I don't trust the receiving core. Christian Watson is had an awesome six games last year where it accounted for 88% of his season stats or whatever the ridiculous number was. All of his touchdowns came during that period of time. Almost all of his yards, most of his catches. Incredible burst, but I don't expect that to carry over the same. Romeo Dobbs is fun. They just have some, there's a lot of, there's some holes in the receivers. Offensive line is still kind of rebuilding outside of David Bakhtiari. Aaron Jones is awesome. Big fan. AJ Dillon, I'm concerned. I don't know did he scored last year or if he did he only scored a couple of times like he was very underutilized last year those giant tree trunk legs i like luke musgrave the rookie tight end a lot coming off the injury we'll have to see if he's a little slow to get going and usually rookie tight ends don't burst onto the scene necessarily so i, I do like what they have moving forward defensively we know about their defense it's yair alexander and well let's hope the rest of us have been a couple georgia bulldogs who aren't the aren't the georgia bulldogs that should have been drafted in the first round so there's 
there's some spots on that defense I'm a little worried about. I think they're in that they're in the bridge phase, so they're not rebuilding, but they're not ready to go yet. So I'm gonna go Packers seven and ten, but Jordan Love does show some things, and then I think Matt Lafleur enters a little bit of a hot seat, if you will, just because he set the bar too high out of the gate. But we're gonna go seven and ten for the Packers this year. I mean, I feel like it's tough to say Matt Lafleur set it set it out set set it set it too high of a standard beforehand. I think Aaron Rodgers set too high of a standard beforehand. Uh, Brett Favre set too high of a standard beforehand. You go from those two to now Jordan Love. There's a lot of questions. I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind um, how nerve wracking this season is going to be for the Packers. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know how I feel about the seven to ten mark, um, but you know, we'll talk about that a little later. I sure. But I understand why they're seven and ten in your eyes, and, and why they finish in, in fourth in the in the North for sure. I will say I do like Jordan Love, and I think him getting to sit like this and learn not and not be used as an extended fullback was really good for his long term career. So I do think this is going to be really good for him. I do think they got to get him some help though. What you did with Aaron Rodgers, giving him limited weapons, you can't, it's not fair to do that to Jordan Love. So I think they're going to have to rebolster that receiving core a little bit. Unless Christian Watson takes that next step and elongates that six game stretch over seventeen games, then it's a different story. But I, I do like Jordan Love long-term. I just think this year is going to be kind of that shaky bridge year a little bit as well. So we got the Packers, 7-10, fourth in division. That's going to now take us to third, which I'm going to start dodging because I can already feel the arrows and the ship fire coming at me right now. From the Vikings, I have at 8-9. and nine. I think they are going to be really good still. They're going to be in a lot of games. But as we mentioned earlier, they won every single game by like 10 points or less they were, it felt like. Or more often, they were like, what was it, 11-2? In one possession games, 11 and 0 in one possession game, something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. Something not really emulatable again. Their defense was 31, I believe, 30 something. It was terrible. No, no way to sugarcoat it. Offensively, it was Justin Jefferson saving the day. Kirk Cousins actually being really good, as much as we like to call him the mid of all mids. He had some really good games. Adam Thielen, now Mr. Krabs, KJ Osborne, TJ Hawkinson. That trade was huge for them, I think. Dalvin Cook in limited action. This year, I don't think they're going to win as many of those one possession games. The defense I'm still concerned about. I still think there's a lot of issues with that defense. I like Jordan Addison. Him and Justin Jefferson should be absolutely incredible as a duo. Alexander Madison showed he could be a good running back. TJ Hawkinson is still awesome. They're going to have to win 32 to 28 every week, though. That's the problem. Uh, They're going to have to win like 35 to 33, something like that. Ridiculous. And I don't think that's a... That's not necessarily conducive, especially in this division, when everyone else got a little bit better, too. Minus maybe Green Bay, who maybe plateaued a little bit. We'll see, but... I'm going to say Minnesota's eight and nine. So they're really good. They just aren't winning those as many one possession games as they did last year. That's pretty much what this comes down to. They're pretty much the exact same team, just a couple of different bounces. And a team like the Colts isn't going to give up a 33 to nothing halftime lead to them again this year because they're not going to play a team that bad because that was the worst team of all time. But I don't think they're going to have quite as many of those bounces. It's very unconducive to win that many one possession games and be undefeated in them. So eight and nine for the for the Vikings. Respectable. But Vikings fans are pissed coming off that 13 and four season to go drop down to eight and nine. Yeah, especially uh, we talk about Kirk Cousins needing to have a put up or shut up season. Uh, it feels like here and in, in in coming in this one, you can't just keep making the playoffs and, and not, not win a game. Uh, you eventually have to do something or get out of the hot seat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be eight and nine, not good enough, looks like, to uh, for that team to make a playoff run. So, it uh, could be a heartbreak in, in, in Minnesota for, for not just uh, Dalvin Cook and Lizzo, but uh, maybe even for Kirk Cousins now at this point in time. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I get the 8-9. Um, again, that's a tough, tough break for the Vikings. I, I, I get them not winning as many close games, but still ooh, a little harsh. 
you know what? I, I, I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a make it year. The problem is I still don't trust that defense to stop anybody. They have not shown the ability to stop a, stop a nosebleed, even with all the napkins and tampons and everything else that you see them use to stop nosebleeds. So I don't think I think it's going to be an ugly season for him defensively. I think Kirk Cousins get for fantasy. Kirk Cousins is going to be a top ten fantasy quarterback. I think. I think Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson is going to be dangerous, but you can't. You have to score every single possession, and that's just un. Good luck. That's how, that's how we'll leave that. I could be wrong, but that defense has to do a 180-degree twist, and they got to find a way to run the ball a little bit better, which they even struggled with Dalvin Cook last year sometimes because that offensive line is also Swiss cheese. Those who saw the quarterback Netflix series, they saw Kirk Cousins, what he went through last year. My goodness, and he's only getting older and more broken. So We have the Vikings at 8-9, and nine, which is going to take us to second in the division. Also at 8-9, and nine, we have the Lions. So I have the Lions also going 8-9 and nine here. They were really close. They could have been in the playoffs last year, and I think they're going to make a lot of noise this year still. Problem is, I think they're going to end up losing a lot of close games as well. They, they had so much they could have done to improve, and I don't think they necessarily utilized it as much as they could have, if that makes sense. You brought in David Montgomery to replace DeAndre Swift, who you gave away, basically. Okay. Then you drafted Jameer Gibbs with your first-round pick. Jameer Gibbs is a really good player, not really remotely close to what you needed on that team. You have an outstanding offensive line. Underrated Jared Goff at quarterback. He needs weapons though. Jamison Williams is gonna is suspended for six games, I believe, which means yep. through his 23 games, he's gonna have one catch. Granted, it was a bomb play, but that's you need more weapons outside of a Monroe St. Brown, who we both adore, and I think he's gonna be a top 10 fantasy receiver, which I'm a big fan of Monroe St. Brown. Tight ends, I like the Sam Laporta pick. I think he's gonna he's someone worth drafting in fantasy, and I think Sam Laporta is gonna be awesome. Problem is, I just don't know if they have enough weapons. I don't think they're going to catch as many people off guard this year. And in the same vein as the Vikings, that defense was 32 last year. I still remember the Seahawks scoring 45 on them or whatever it was pretty easily. Like, they they give up a lot of points pretty easily. They didn't do as much to improve that. I like Brian Branch, but I think they're going to be 8-9. There's going to be a lot of really close games. As you can tell by the records just through these first three teams, I have these teams beating the you-know-what out of each other. I, it's going to be really close. No one's going to... For example, I have two and four, three and three, three and three, four and two for division records for the four teams. So it's not like anyone's running away with this. They're all going to beat the you-know-what out of each other. I, but I'm going to say the Lions eight and nine, but incredibly competitive, and the upward trajectory continues. Like They're still on the right path. It's not like they're taking a huge step back. They're just they're still climbing forward. I think that's kind of interesting. Again, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm harsh on the Lions because they didn't do anything, but I do think they'll still be better than eight and nine. Um just given their record, uh, just given their schedule, their schedule is kind of easy uh, to be to be completely fair. They play the hardest division, but they also play the easiest division in, in football. Uh, and then they also still have the Packers in their in their division. So I do think there's there's opportunity for the for the Lions to hear. I, I personally believe get higher than eight wins. But I, I again, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, they're going to beat up on each other. It's going to be a slaughter division. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Well, there's a, almost a guaranteed chance they're going to start 0-1, unfortunately. That definitely doesn't help when you get to christen the season by jumping into Kansas City for opening night after they won a Super Bowl, too. So, like, you know, it's a, it's a rough start out of the gate. But, you know what? They opening against the Buccaneers. The Lions, their first game is against the Chiefs. Oh, no, sorry. Never mind. I'm looking at the Viking schedule. Just kidding. Get out of here. All right. Yeah. That, now, you know what? The, the Battle of Ships, that's a great way to start this started as well, too. Baker Mayfield versus Kirk Cousins. That's just what everyone dreamed of. But that's going to take us now to number one in the division. I have the Chicago Bears. At a whopping nine and eight. It's no one's running away with this division. As I said, I think it's going to be incredibly competitive through and through. This is kind of similar to what I talked about last week. There's always a worst to first team every year. 
I think the Bears did a lot of really good things. They were at one point, what was it, three and two, three and three last year early on before they gave up on the season. They had the talent to win games early on. Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson in the backfield is going to be very dynamic with Justin Fields. It is imperative that they got him somebody that can get open quickly, which is what DJ Moore can do. We saw it in the preseason game. You could throw him a screen and he'll take a 60. You have an offensive line a little bit now, bringing in Dar- Darnell Wright, drafting him out of Tennessee, plus some of the other smaller pieces they brought in, moving Tevin Jenkins to guard, which has been sensational for his career. Now he just gets to go eat people. Defensively, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, they, they did a lot of really good things defensively. I think it's going to be – last year, basically, Justin Fields had to score 30 points running for his life. I think this year we're going to see a lot less of that. I think he's still going to make those dynamic plays, but we're going to see the passer, Justin Fields, that we were both high on coming out of Ohio State. He was one of the few Ohio State quarterbacks. We we kind of almost didn't include the fact that he went to Ohio State in his scouting. We were like, we weren't well. He did go to OSU. We know how bad they feel. We we're like, no, no, just get him in the NFL and get him someone to throw to. Now he's got someone to throw to and less Swiss cheese paper offensive line. Good offensive coordinator, good head coach. That the de- He's going to get the most out of that defense. And they still do got draft picks. There's, They can honestly still make some moves if they want to lead up to it. Maybe a running back in Indianapolis who might be on the trade block. You never know. There's a lot of good things the Bears can do. So I'm going to give them 9-8 and eight winning the division and probably the most competitive division we have. Not record, like record-wise, like record they're all right there. I think this is going to come down to his weeks 16 and 17. This is interesting. Um, I'm, I'm looking at you. We'll, 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 we'll talk a little bit more why it's, why it's interesting in, after I make my picks, but I I I I've liked your list. I just have, I don't know. I have curiosities where they're getting all these losses from. Uh, just that's tough. Uh, it's it's tough considering there's all like they are playing one of the easier divisions in football in the, from the NFC North standpoint. Like they are playing the NFC South throughout the season. So it's tough for me that like you're looking at it. And I'm like oh, I just don't think the NFC South's that good personally. So I think those are some winnable games, and I, that's why I'm looking at these these. Uh, you know, win loss totals, and I'm, I'm I'm kind of scratching my head out a little bit. I gotta say, the NFC South. When we talk about that next week, I don't exactly have them lighting it up either. So I think there's gonna be a lot of splits. I don't think anyone's going four and zero against the NFC South, just like no one in the NFC South is going four and zero against these guys. I think there's gonna be a weird amount of splits, is what it ends up being. Like right, like when we talk about all these teams are pretty much gonna split minus the Bears. I have four and two in the division against the NFC South. It'll basically be most of them will all be two and two as well. Then they play some other tough games in there as well. It's it's a weird split. Like the Bears. Since they have a, they were last place last year, they get a last place schedule, which means they get one or two more easier games than like the Vikings, who have that first place schedule, who are going to have a couple more difficult games. So then the Packers and the Lions kind of in between. So it's going to be, it's going to be razor close. I, there's, I just feel like a lot of these teams are still not quite there yet. They have a lot of things to like, but they're not quite there yet. But they're, they're all going to be really good. Someone's going to make the playoffs. The Lions and the Vikings are going to piss off a lot of other teams too. They're going to kick somebody else out of the playoffs, almost guaranteed like the Lions did oh. last year. Dan Campbell's going to bite some kneecaps off this year again. Yeah, that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll accept that. It's what they do best, but just recapping what I have for the NFC North, we have the Green Bay Packers up at the bottom 7-10, and 10. the Minnesota Vikings taking a step back but still going 8-9, and nine. the Detroit Lions also going 8-9, and nine, getting the tiebreaker, and the Chicago Bears taking the division with a 9-8 and eight record. So, Kelsey, I'll go ahead and let you take over. Kelsey's NFC North. I can already feel like there's going to be three 10 win teams or something complete opposite of mine. Uh, yeah, let's just say, let's just say that there's there's a little something different going into my NFC North, but they're going to see see it's going to seem very familiar nonetheless. Uh, starting at number four, I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. We got the Green Bay Packers. There's no doubt in my mind it's the Packers at four. 
But unlike you, I don't have as much faith in them. I have so little faith that I'm giving them two wins. You went to you, you spent the last five minutes saying where did all these losses came from, and you dropped more. Oh, than I was them. I was definitely not talking about the Packers' losses. That is for sure. There's I know where their losses come from. They're going to lose to almost everybody. Almost everybody. Uh, I do think they take one the from the Buccaneers. They're going to sweep the Bears and lose everything else because no, no, no. I'm saying I'm, I'm saying they're you're telling me they're beating the Buccaneers is is the number one team they're going to beat there, and then uh, maybe maybe sneak one past the Saints because it's the Saints. Who knows? What's happening there? But yeah, I don't think they get any division wins. Um, Lambeau is going to be a really, really bad place to be a fan at it for the Packers. If, if you're a Packers fan, Chicago might finally get themselves some uh, some territory back in Chicago to call their own. Um, but yeah, Green Bay, like it's it's a, it's a bad situation. It is a bridge year. I absolutely agree with that. As much as I like Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, that's all I like on this team. I don't trust Christian Watson this year with Jordan Love throwing the ball. I don't trust Romeo Dobbs this year with throwing him the ball. It took a lot of amazing passes from Aaron Rodgers to get Christian Watson to that point of having that three to five game stretch where he scored 66% of his fantasy points. That's not a good, that's not a good look. I mean, yes, he is one of the fastest human beings probably in the game with, you know, running routes. That's fine. That's acceptable. But when your quarterback can't hit you, well, that's a problem. So uh, I, I don't have a lot of faith there, but I really don't have faith in this defense. As you said, there's a bunch of Georgia throw offs here that, um, Let's just say they don't. These are the bad Georgia players that we all make fun of. This is the uh, the Thugga Georgia players, not really the UGA Georgia players, um, as we used to call them back in back in my day in college. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not a good look for Green Bay. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, I talk about catching the heat. I'm starting out hot here. I'm I'm going straight straight for the kneecaps. Yeah. Okay. That's a that's some stanky cheese you got going on right here. So my one question for you is. Do you think Jordan Love is their QB of the future and it's just going to be a rough year for him? Or do you think he's terrible and this is just going to, they're going to basically start feeling their grip right away? I honestly don't know what to expect from him, but I do know there's a trend that comes with Green Bay Packers quarterbacks. When they have a, a long term quarterback and they switch over to a guy who's been backing him up for many years, without fail in that first season, he always gets injured. It's happened two times already once with Brett Favre, once with Aaron Rodgers. Third time's the charm for it to continue this trend. Just saying, and it's always been a season-ending injury where, you know, Aaron Rodgers broke his leg, for goodness sakes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if he's the answer, but I do know that I don't see him finishing out this season, which begs the question of who does finish out the season at quarterback for this team, which is why I don't have him finishing well. Um, plus, again, you go up against the AFC West of all of all divisions as well. That's a murder house waiting to happen for any bridge team this year. That's just not a fun uh division to have on the on the on the schedule at all so yeah there we go green bay packers 2 and 15 i don't know if jordan love will be even finishing the season um let alone the quarterback for the future for the packers all right sounds like it's gonna be cottage cheese in green bay all right tough to follow that up but all right go right on ahead now with mr i don't know where all these losses are coming from let's see what you have at number three uh so going to the opposite end of the spectrum here number three uh, like I said, we're going to see some a lot of similarities, but there's going to be some major differences in these similarities. I have the Minnesota Vikings, and Lizzo could be celebrating here uh, if Dalvin Cook was still on the team, that is. But this is going to be the Minnesota Vikings, and I have them finishing 11-6. and six. So on the opposite end of the spectrum here from where you went, you went a losing record for this team. I have a winning record for this team um, at 11-6. and six. I do think that there are a lot of winnable games. 
uh, as I talk about. They they open the season against the Buccaneers. That's a very very winnable game. You also play in their in their first six games. You play, unfortunately, the Eagles. But then you do play the Chargers, which is a half and half game. But you play the Panthers, and then unfortunately the Chiefs. And that's the hard part of their schedule. That's out of the way. Then you go Bears, 49ers, Packers. Okay, that sucks a little bit. But now you get to the easy part: Falcons, Saints, Broncos, back to back weeks. Bears, Raiders again. Then the Bengals, which is probably a loss. Um, but yeah, I do think there's some chances here for 11 wins. And if they are as good as we all like to think they are. Once they get Jameson Williams back in week six, Amon Ross St. Brown by that time will probably already have 800 yards receiving. Uh, Jameson Williams will just come in, hit his one catch for 40 yards a game, one touchdown, you'll be good to go. Um, I also believe that his defense has gotten a lot better. They showed a little bit of the flashes last uh, – sorry, I'm, I don't know why I said the Lions. My bad. I don't. I went. The, I, I jumped the wrong team there. But with the Vikings, I do think that they are. they have gotten better in the receiving core with Jordan Addison. Uh, the defense has gotten better. It's, you got to get better than 30 seconds on the defensive side. Um, so, yeah, that's the Minnesota Vikings. And with, since I talked about the Lions, I'm just going to go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off here as well. Right. Yeah, number two, Detroit Lions going at, right there at 11-6 and six as well uh, for the exact same reasons I just said. Uh, as I said, they'll, they'll be – Amonar St. Brown will have 800 yards receiving by week six. Jameson Williams will come in, scores one touchdown, 40 yards a game. Um, you know, that whole thing. Uh, anyways, but their defense as well has gotten better for all the same various reasons. My only question is that run game. How reliant can you be on that run game going forward? I do like David Montgomery. I do think that's a good pick, but Jameer Gibbs is a very big question mark. Why go out and get Jameer Gibbs? I don't understand. But in every other facet of this, this team, they have built something for the future. And while you talk eight and nine is still a positive step forward. I think this is a team that does go 11 and six, which makes another positive step forward. And again, proves that Jared Goff is not the washout that everybody wants him to be. I think everybody is ready to write off Jared Goff so fast. They don't think the Lions have an opportunity here. I also say the same thing about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, who I just moved on. We talked about some of the guys under the most, under the most pressure earlier this year in one of our episodes. I named those two as two of the guys with the biggest pressure. They prove it this year. They prove they can do that. They can prove they can do it. They both go in 11-6. is kind of just happenstance. It's just how it worked out. But again, very winnable schedules. As you mentioned, Lions on the flip side of things. They start out against the Chiefs. But they have a chance to go 7-2 and two to start out their season. And that's crazy to me to think about. I mean, really, the only two really losable games that I see in their schedule is against the Ravens and against the Chiefs in the first seven games, depending on the Seahawks matchup, how that shakes out. But I do think, as in, from an offensive standpoint, this team is good enough to beat the Seahawks. question is, can their defense step up and not be a 32nd-ranked defense? That's the big question I have. Um, and, and, you know... Again, oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I will just have to wait and see how this goes. But I, I don't know what I'm pulling these out of my hat. I know there's, one, there's always one division every year that surprises everybody. And you know what? Why not be the NFC North? Honestly, I'm just, we are on the same page. I'm going to let you continue and tell number one. And I'll, re, I'll comment on all of them combined since we're – go ahead. I've done enough commenting on the Packers pick. I'll let you go and get number one out of the way too. Yeah, yeah. Number one, we're going we're gonna to get this one out of the way. It is uh, the Chicago Bears – and it's not by much. I'm not going to say the Chicago Bears win this division by a whole lot, uh, but I do think they do win the division. As we all talked about, they got better everywhere except for one position being even the bend, but they did a good enough job to fill that gap with playable players. They did bring um, in Dockway just recently too, so that's a, he's a guaranteed like ace Yeah, Like I said, playable players. Like It's not like you're not scraping the bottom of the barrel if you're you, where you were before if you're Chicago. 
But on, on top of that, you did the important thing, which is protect Justin Fields. And not just that. Then you went out and got him a weapon, which is something I didn't think they were actually going to do. I thought it had to be one or the other this year. And next year, you go out and get the weapon. They did both, which is fantastic. Obviously, the Tevin D. Jenkins injury does add a little concern if that's going to be an ongoing thing. You hope it's not. You hope it's like he gets healthy the regular season and stays healthy. Because him at guard, like you just said, it's a fantastic thing. Especially at guard with their run game. Could be a whole lot more, a whole lot of fun. I do not know if Khalil Herbert's the answer there. But I was about to say, between him and Roshan Johnson, they're just going to have a, a nice little two-headed, a two-headed monster to play with. Um, and they are very dynamic different backs as well. You do have Khalil who likes to take it up the middle. And, and Roshan Johnson will burn you on the outside in a heartbeat. Uh, so, yeah, it's very interesting. And I love DJ Moore. We've been banging the DJ Moore drum here for many a year. Um, I don't know if we keep banging it at this point in time. I feel like the neighbors are, are tired of it. Uh, but <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to stand by it. Um, I do think DJ Moore finishes the season with an absolutely fantastic year for a Bears receiver, maybe one of the top three best Bears receiving years ever um, up there with Brandon Marshall. And, yeah, I'm going to say Justin Fields surprises a lot of people and has a fantastic season as well. I don't think he's going to be, you know, top five type of guy, but – for a stretch there in the season, I do think that he can look like an MVP candidate. I don't know if it'll sustain, but I do think he could look like an MVP candidate at some point in time. Let's not forget, this dude can do it with his legs. He can do it with his with his arm as well. Yeah, you didn't see a lot of the arm last year. But when Darnell Mooney was healthy, you did see it. Um, so now, big question, Cole Komet, that tight end situation. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at with the Bears. I do think this is kind of a resurgence for the Bears lately. I think we finally see the the one time in the franchise where they can have a passing quarterback and it be successful. I don't think this is a situation where you're going to be so reliant on the run game like the Bears have been in the past historically when they've been successful. I do think this is one where they're just going to flip on its head and very quickly, and you'll see you'll see a passing game from the Bears that's kind of going to scare some people. That's for sure, uh, especially DJ Moore out there. I mean, they try to stop him short, he's going to burn you over the top. Try to stop him over the top, he's going to burn you short. Take your pick. Uh, there's no good option. It's like almost kind of like the Marvin Harrison conundrum back in the day. Um, maybe not that good, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at with the Bears here. 12 and 5, taking the top spot in the division. So I'll start by saying you basically have the exact same thing I did. You just took a bunch of the Packers wins that I gave them and sprinkled them everywhere else, basically, is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Like it's a verbatim the same thing. Just I literally I literally said no soup for you for the Packers and just sprinkled it amongst the rest of the group and just said, you guys can have the excess. The Packers have been too good for too long. Here you go. The Packers take the saltine crackers where everyone else gets the soup. I got I, I see. No, they don't even get the saltine crackers. They get the crumbs left at the bottom of the barrel that's happened to stick there. It's going to be a rough season. I will say, too, one thing that I really like about the Bears, too, they did bring in Robert Tunyon as an extra tight end, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Yes. So they do have multiple tight end looks they could do, plus Chase Claypool in a contract year. We know how receivers are in the contract year as well. Darnell Moody, you mentioned now, is going to be the two or third, second or third option receiver. DJ Moore, a true number one. As long as Fields can just get the ball out of his hands quickly, which I think is the game plan, which I think is something they want to do, it can mask some of the parts on the offensive line that are still working and growing. So I... I like this team a lot if everything can stay healthy defensively. You can make a case they have the best defense in the division because of how bad, even though they were so bad last year, but that's because everyone's defense in the division was bad last year. Even though the Packers have guys like Yair Alexander, they still get toasted sometimes. So looks like we're in kind of the same spot. Just that You just d- destroyed the Packers and sprinkled those leftover wins for everyone else. So I think we're in a similar yes. page. Yeah, no, pretty much. Uh, now I do want to point out one thing and I do want to, kind of enlighten somebody or tell players on somebody. If you don't know who Bayless Jones Jr. is, 
you better look him up because I feel like he's going to have a fantastic year this year. Technically listed as the fourth string receiver. He'll get burned. That's 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 a tough thing because I don't know if I can list him as just a receiver this year. He's going to be kind of a gadget guy, uh, kind of all the early Percy Percy Harvin. Um, but I, I do think Vettis Jones is, is going to be a guy that people need to watch out for and not in the ways you're expecting. He's just going to be an offensive playmaker when they get him out there. They're going to get the ball in his hands in space, and he's going to dance. It's going to he's going to be electric when he's out there. But for the people that are just tuning in now, go ahead and recap how you have the NFC North shaken out and break a few hearts while you're at it. Yeah, you know it's just what I do best: break hearts. Um, that's that's really all I I do in life. Uh, anyways, uh, Green Bay Packers at number four, two and fifteen. Number three with the Minnesota Vikings at eleven and six. At number two, the Detroit Lions with eleven and six as well. Uh, just re- winning off the tiebreaker there in the positioning, and Chicago Bears at the top of the division, twelve and five with a resurgence. Like DJ had mentioned, worst to first happens every year. Why not the Bears this year? Absolutely, and that's going to take us into the new new part of it. This year's breakdowns is where we have the fan vote. So we'll go and pop this one up. And for the fan vote, we got the Packers at six and eleven, the Bears at ten and seven, the Lions at eleven and six, and the Vikings at twelve and five with three NFC North teams making the playoffs, but just like ours. The Packers pulling up the bottom of the barrel. So looks like the fan vote is in a similar spot to us as well, too, with just a little bit of a shakeup at the top. But overall, it seems like I kind of have a similar idea with the seller. They have a little more faith in that 30-second ring defense to uh, to improve. Um, a little more as much I faith do. in Justin Fields as us, maybe. But And we say that as they get a seven plus seven on the win total as well. Yeah, yeah, well, 100%. Yeah, still a playoff team, still, still making it there. But, uh, I mean, finishing third in the division. So... Uh, but I mean, they, I think we all feel. I think I think a lot of people feel the same about the Lions this year. I think they're they're hoping for a lot, which is kind of the one thing I'm worried about with the Lions. This is the first time people have been hoping for a lot with them with that team. And it really does feel like 20 years almost. I mean, really, you can honestly go back to 2009 as the last time they really had these high expectations. 2010 maybe with Calvin and Stafford and Javid Best and what, Reggie young. Bush. Yeah, I mean that that entire squad there that was. I mean, tough team to, to to try to count out, but this is it's been a long time coming. So you just you're concerned as a front runner how they perform. There's, they've never been a favorite under under Dan Campbell. How does that how does that affect this team going forward? Not to mention the Jared Goffa timeline has been an incredible year. The next year when there's expectations of poop, then after the poop, Super Bowl run, then dip, and then good. It's so I'm hoping we don't see that. I'm hoping he gets a chance that things steady off a little bit here for him, but. Do you think the Lions will be really good? It's good. I think the the turnaround is real, so we're definitely excited for the NFC North. But now that's going to take us to arguably the most competitive division, and we got the AFC North now as well, which that used to be the black and blue division. Now you can make a case it's the quarterback division, while still also being the black and blue division as well. So there's a lot going on in the AFC North here. All four teams, I think we can agree, are playoff caliber teams, give or take, on any given week. Like They could beat anyone at any given moment, and not just in the cliche form of any given Sunday. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a possibility that every team has a chance. Um, I do worry about one of them specifically, but little, uh, not, not as much as I worry about the Packers making the playoffs. Let's put it that way. So um, I do think there's a possibility that, yeah, you could you could have a competitive division where maybe four teams make the playoff out of the AFC North, but that would have to require some other divisions to really suck up, suck it up. So it's, it's going to be a tough, tough sled for the top two. I feel like top two make it, probably. Most likely, yeah. Definitely not uh, not going to happen, but I think all four of these teams are going to piss off a lot of other teams too, and they're all going to be very okay. competitive, which is going to take me to number four in the division. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers at nine and eight. As you saw from our Tier Tuesdays with head coaches and Mike Tomlin, 
no losing seasons, and somehow that trend continues despite making absolutely no sense how they do it. I don't think they're a playoff team yet. Kenny Pickett still has some growing to do. George Pickens is outstanding. I just want to see if he takes like that next step to become even more of a freak. Deontay Johnson is going to get in the end zone this year. I hate that he didn't get a chance to get in there last year because he's awesome. The offensive line is still questionable. Like I still look at the offensive line, I get nervous. Najee Harris is incredibly talented, but you need to give him He's not someone like Derrick Henry. You just kind of he just kind of makes his own hole and barrels through. You got to give him a hole so he can run through it, then turn into Najee Harris. And then and plus his ability to catch the ball. I want to see him get used in the passing game more in the intermediate route, not just swing passes, because he's not exactly fast. He's big and can get going, but he's not someone who's he's not dancing on people in the open field. He's not a short, short burst electric. He's short burst terrifying as far as power goes, then downhill speed at the end of it. So they need to find ways to get him get him momentum going, which I think they struggled a lot with last year, which is what I think hurt his yards per carry a lot. Defensively, we know how good they are. Cameron Hayward is just amount is just thick. TJ Watt is arguably the best edge in football. If not, he's in that conversation. Mika Fitzpatrick might be a top three safety in the game. Corners, they're at pretty decent, even bringing in Patrick Peterson now on top of it. Highsmith on the other edge. Like they are just really good defensively, and they always will be under Mike Tomlin. They're going to beat a lot of teams that they should, and they'll even beat a couple teams that they shouldn't. But there's, st- I think there's a little bit of a talent deficit overall, and I'm not sure. Kenny Pickett's the worst quarterback in this division on paper as of right now. So I'm going to have them at 9-8, and eight, still the winning record, but they just come come up a little bit short here. I do think George Pickens is going to be awesome this year, though. I think he's going to have a mini breakout this year. As that next Steelers, where did this guy come from, receiver? And not just bullying corners in the running game. He's actually going to make receiver plays, too. Yeah, I do think Kenny Pickens has that opportunity to uh, absolutely bully a few guys, but you got to use him in the red zone, which historically the Steelers have not been a team that throws a lot in the red zone. I took a lot of audibles from from Ben back in the day to even get passes in the end zone type of a situation, and there was still wasn't that many historically. You're talking about a team that historically has a really good, a pretty good running back or a guy that can bowl over some people. But they still have that. Najee Harris can run over some people, as you mentioned, getting short short bursts there. Um, but yeah, uh, you just got to use them in the, in the red zone to, to, to take advantage of the skill set, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes with the, with the Steelers. I'll have more to say about them, uh, in, in, in my picks for sure. And the two tight ends do Darnell Washington and Pat Fryer. Me, they got some bodies in the red zone. So if they can get in the red zone, should be easy for Kenny Pickett. It should be in theory, but we'll, we'll wait and see, but that's going to take me to third in the division. And this one could go very much higher or it could plummet so much worse. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns at 10 and seven. Obviously, it's an incredibly talented team. We all know that. Miles Garrett, copy and paste what we said about TJ Watt, arguably a top best edge in football, definitely a top three. Secondary, Juan Thornhill coming in from the Chiefs. Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, really good secondary. You bring in Zadarius Smith as the other edge, who with his ridiculous side shoulder caps can be can be as dangerous as anyone off the edge. Linebackers, Jeremiah Wusu, Koromoa. When he's not getting caught in the run game, he's electric when he could just kind of flow to the ball. Offensive line, one of the better ones in the game, definitely top 10. You can make the case top five. Nick Chubb, the best running back in the game, if not top three, like however you want to rank it, just six and one and half a dozen the other. Amari Cooper, oh, top three. Amari Cooper, your boy, still outstanding, had his most career touchdowns last year with a rotating carousel of quarterbacks. David Njoku's awesome. They, Elijah Moore now coming over has been electric. Like they have so many weapons. The question is what's going to happen with number four at quarterback. And that's where it gets a little bit weird. You're not going to get 2020 to Sean most likely. Cause that was kind of the outlier of his career. 
that was that was a freakish outlier where they didn't win any games, but his stats were incredible. You're probably not going to get the the last six games last year where he was pretty pedestrian. So we're kind of going back to 2017, 18, and 19 when I look at him, where he had DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and eight similar cast of characters. Not quite as good of an offensive line or running game. Probably an equal defense and similar receivers. So I'm going to kind of split the difference here. I'm going to put him at 10 and 7. Deshaun, despite everything, everything, we'll just leave it at that, has a lot of talents and a lot of weapons. And Stefanski, I think he knows ball, but when you've had Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, and the rotating carousel thing going a quarterback, it's been tough. He hasn't got a chance to fully utilize it. So I think they're going to be 10 and 7. They're going to be very good. They're going to win some games they should win. They'll lose some that they should win too. I think it's going to be a weird conflict using Deshaun and Nick Chubb bouncing off of each other, especially in that middle part of the season when you're not surprising people early on. Like, because normally when Stefanski's had his dad, it's been like Kirk Cousins, Baker, where it's clearly you're playing off the run game. It's clearly established. This one, do you almost try and use Deshaun Watson and play Nick Chubb off of him? Like, the downside of having an elite running back and a potentially elite quarterback is what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And I think they could, I think that'll, make some interesting complex as well. So I'm going to put them at 10 and seven, but if everything clicks, they could very easily win 13 games. It could very much not click and they can lose 13 games at the same time. This is the most volatile team as far as the way they go up or down, not named the Dallas Cowboys, arguably, and honestly, even more so than the Cowboys. So I'm going to split them at 10 and seven. Very good team in the playoff hunt. We'll tell, we'll talk about in our playoff episode if they make it or not, but they'll be in the thick of it. Interesting. Uh, I got to ask, how, how weird does it feel to say that two of the best defensive players in today's day, today's game are on the two teams at the bottom of this division? Does that feel weird to say? Weirdly enough, when we talk about the two quarterbacks at the top of the division, not as much. But when you think about it, it's kind of interesting when you look at that as well. And if we go by my NFC East prediction, arguably the next best edge in that category is also at the bottom of the division. But as you can tell, it's a quarterback-driven league. And it, the next best thing is hitting the quarterback. But when you have the other two quarterbacks in this division are both, we'd say, top five. Worst case scenario, top seven. I think that counters a lot of it as well. But it is kind of interesting when you have the two premier defensive edge rushers, not named Micah Parsons or Nick Bosa. And right now they're sitting at the bottom of the division. Yet the bottom of the division is nine and eight and ten and seven. Yeah, I mean, they're still winning records, so they're not too exactly. bad. I just I just find that I just find that odd that we're, you know, that that, that they're down there at the bottom and it's like, hmm maybe focus on a little bit more defense, not just your superstars. Just don't That there. being said, too, both of these teams could very easily, like I said with the Browns, they could very easily be at the top of this division real quick, fast, in a hurry. They can get their first division title in his, in his since they came back history at this point very easily. They have the talent to do it. It's just, it's like, it's trimming a bomb or it's like manscaping at this point. One slight nick and everything is a problem. And I'm worried that I'm worried if they have to worry it, that they might have to look into that. So, the Browns, I'm going to consider them manscaping. That's what they are right now. Could be could be clean as a whistle, could be a problem. But anyway, we're enough talking about Browns and balls. We're now going to move on to number two in the division. We're going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I have them going 11-6. and six. I think the top monk in offense with Lamar Jackson actually having receivers now too. Zay Flowers, Odell, healthy Rashad Bateman, J.K. Dobbins, Snow Cone coming back as well. Mark Andrews, a good offensive line, and a really good and talented defense when healthy. I'm going to go with 11 and six because a, they never seem to stay fully healthy and B I think there'll be a little bit of growing pains as they switch the offense from the basically give it split veer, like Nova can give it time. It always works into a more open spread offense. I think it's going to take a little bit of adjustment period, but they're still going to be 11 and six. They're still going to be awesome. They're still going to win a lot of games as well. They're going to be in a lot of games. I think Lamar is going to show people. Y'all must've forgot. You guys must've thought 2019 was an outlier and he's going to have 
a lot of similarities to that as opposed to last season. Zay Flowers is going to be absolutely electric in this offense. What we thought Monk can do with McConkley and Georgia, crank that up to 11. That's what Zay Flowers is going to do. He's going to be eating ankles all season. Odell, if he stays healthy, is going to be is going to make some plays. Rashad Bateman's going to be nice. We all know about Mark Andrews. Not a whole else needs to be said. Except now you can't triple team number 89 because you got those other guys out there. So I think this team's going to be really, really good. They're just going to have a couple of adjustment periods. And I'm more I honestly added a couple of glosses in there, a game here or there, because they're gonna this team is just like the Chargers. They always seem to get hurt at a random point in the year. Not just Lamar, but defensively, Marlon Humphrey's gonna miss some time already. So and their secondary is not quite as deep as it was last year. So 11 and 6 feels like a good spot for the Ravens. And more than likely they're in the playoffs. I won't spoil it right now, but you most people could probably infer this is with an 11 and 6 record, it's probably pretty safe. Yeah, I like I'm okay with that pick. Um, I do have to ask, OBJ, do we see OBJ or do we say see Odell Beckham, that guy? We're gonna see a, something in between. We're not getting New York's Odell because that was a kid that was in his prime in his twenties and three surgeries ago. But we're not gonna see like the twenty twenty one where he's coming off the knee injury and clearly wasn't healthy. Or that twenty twenty one one with the Browns. We're gonna see maybe like we saw with the Rams as the season went along where he was the number two option, but he was very, very good. We've still had like what was a seven, eight touchdowns down the stretch. Looked like he was on way to Super Bowl MVP. So I think you'll get a little something in between. Not one of the most electric receivers of all time, but still very, very good to the point where you can't double team Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers because then Odell will beat you if that makes sense. So he'll he'll be really good. He'll be maybe not a traditional top number one receiver, but a good, a very good passing option full of really good passing reception guys. So I'm gonna say he's somewhere in the middle. He's like Odell B Jr. If that makes sense. Like not quite OBJ, but not. Odell Beckham Jr. So we'll go with Odell B Jr. That's fair. All right, then I got one more. Marlon Humphrey. Obviously, you just talked about missing time yet again. As a corner, missing a lot of time. We've talked about this before with him as a potential move in his career. Do you think it's time he maybe starts having a conversation of sliding back into a safety role? Not yet, because I still think when he his, his injuries haven't been major, they've just been nagging ones that keep him out for a couple of weeks here. They're like soft tissue, minor scopes. It hasn't been, but mostly East stuff from trying to chase down guys, just like little things like that. And he's still athletic enough. He still doesn't get consistently toasted. I mean, Tyree Kill gets behind him on occasion, but Tyree Kill does that to everybody. And I look at their safeties. You got Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton. They don't really need safeties. Marcus Williams is an incredible center fielder. Kyle Hamilton. He he has he played he plays some of his roles very well. So I think he could still play corner for him. He's still a really good top fifteen to top ten caliber corner. You're just you're not going to treat him like Revis or Namdi Osmal or something like that. You're not or even Sauce Gardner, Patrick Sertan. You don't treat him quite like that. You're not having him chase the number one guy all over the place. But in the de- defensive scheme, I think he's still play, he can still man up with a lot of these guys. Like he's still he's still a really good corner. He's mo- pretty much every team would gladly take him, whether it's the number one or the number two. Okay. If he comes back fully healthy, he has to come back fully healthy, of course. Oh, yeah, no, but it's always a curiosity because we have talked about him potentially making that move to safety. I think it would be a good move for his career. But, yeah, you I mean, it does beg the question. You have a pretty good safety duo right now. Do you upset that balance with Marlon Humphrey potentially sliding back in a nickel or quarter roll? I don't know. We'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, no, I know. I do like, obviously, the Baltimore Ravens here at number two. But that'll take us to number one. Um, I'm assuming Joe Shiesty. You got Joe Shiesty, Cincinnati Bengals. I'm giving him 13 and four. Ironically, though, they're going to start 0 and 2 with the Joe Burrow being banged up. Even if he does play in those two games, you got some rough games. You got the Browns week one and you got the Ravens week two. 
So I think with Joe Burrow coming off the injury, not getting a lot of time, it'll be similar to last year when he had that when he had the surgery. They went 0 2 to start the year again, losing to the Steelers and the and the Cowboys. So I think just not having that time to practice, even if he plays in those games, I don't think he'll be 100. percent So we're gonna have him 13 and four, but they are gonna start 0 2. So after that, Joe Chase, and Jamar Chase, and then we're gonna go on a very we're gonna go on a bit of a 13 and two tear, if you will. It's gonna I think they're gonna get cooking. This is their their best window to go on a Super Bowl run, it feels like, when you have Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins all on rookie deals, Joe Mixon on a pay cut. You brought in Orlando Brown for a ridiculous amount of money to where you have like six starting offensive linemen for when one inevitably goes down, you have an extra one. Defensively, losing Jesse Bates hurts. You lost both your starting safeties. But I do think they did draft for that with guys like Dax and the Hill, so I think they'll be able to roll into that a little bit. So I think this is kind of their window, and I think they're going to play like that. Like this is arguably their best window before players might have to leave, if you will. So I'm going to say 13 and four. They're going to go 0 and two, just start out of the gate, but then they're going to go on a bit of a run. So I still think the Bengals is still their division to lose. You have the second best quarterback in the game, second best receiver in the game, arguably the second best number two receiver in the game. Like there's a lot of things they are really, really good at, nonetheless. Maybe even sec- the best number three receiver out of the group. Yeah, very debatable as well too. So they got they got a lot to like in there for sure. So I'm I'm gonna go and say the Bengals still take the division, even though it's it's gonna start a little shaky. But I think down the stretch they'll find a way to get it going. They'll find a way to take care of it. And, and yes, both dogs getting <laughs> getting shout outs here. Um, exactly. They always intrude on us. But real quickly, I'll go ahead and recap my FC North predictions. At number four, I got the Steelers at nine and eight. At three, I got the Browns at ten and seven. Number two, I got the Baltimore Ravens at eleven and six. And taking the top, I have the Cincinnati Bengals going 13 and four to capture the AFC North for a third year in a row. All right. Well, we'll see what I can pull off here. But uh, if it's anything like last time, yeah, you never know. We might, we might, might be getting a little, little wild and crazy here. Or alternatively, maybe not. Maybe we're just going to keep this nice and boring and simple. And when has that ever been me? That's the question I begged at. I have to ask. So. All right, here's the 2-15 and 15 again. I'm bracing myself for it now. Uh, no, we're not going 2-15 and 15 to start this one out. I'm a little bit more friendly to the AFC North because, as you mentioned, there's a lot of good good teams here. Probably the toughest top-to-bottom team-wise. Um, so I'm going to start at the bottom, number four. I'm right there with you. I'm thinking the Pittsburgh Steelers is the team at the bottom. But unlike you, this is the first losing season in Mike Tomlin's career. I have them finishing 7-10 and 10 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Unable to get that last W to get over that hump, or at least to get to 8-9. and nine. Um, I'm trying to get there. So two games below the threshold for a win uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, like, I, I, I do like Kenny Pickett. But again, I said it last year. I said it in the draft. What's the big hole for this Pittsburgh Steelers team? Offensive line continues to be their offensive line. And as fantastic of an idea as bringing in Patrick Peterson is, you already had a 40-year-old corner out there that was just doing the same thing that Patrick Peterson is going to do, which is just take up space. You have some guys. You have some young guys you could use there. They decide not to use them. You have some guys in free agency you can go get a corner, decide not to go get them. And yet you're still just going to rely on TJ Watt to go out there and get a sack within two seconds, three seconds from the snap to try to avoid the pressure going on your defense, which when healthy, he can do. Um, Cam Hayward, when healthy, can also help add pressure up the middle. 
And when they do add pressure, they have Minka the top uh, at the top of the, the 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 whole defense to just be like, all right, I got this. But teams are figuring it out. Teams are starting to slant their line, move their quarterback out of the pocket, away from TJ, away from Cam Hayward, because they figured it out. A double-team chip to Cam Hayward, slide him to the right side of the line at that chip, and, well, guess what? You can move your quarterback left, and you're, you're good to go at that point in time. They don't have the Bud Dupree threat that they had three, two, year, two years ago um, You know that made them so deadly from that pass rush situation. They don't have – I don't see it on their roster. Maybe they do, and they're just hiding it from everybody. But then on the offensive side, you talked about Najee Harris. They're not using Najee Harris to his best of his abilities. Deontay Johnson not getting in the end zone last year was a crime. Um, George Pickens, uh, well, he's a freak, so I don't want to insult him at all. Um, mm-hmm. I'm slightly afraid of him a little bit, if we're being fair. Uh, actually, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I do think he's a, he's a talented player, again, but again, not using your player to, use, who, to his best advantages. And I've preached this a thousand and one times about Mike Tomlin. X's and O's is not his thing. Jim's and Joe's, that's his thing. But X's and O's is not it. And you see that a lot in the way this team has performed the last couple of years. It's just gone downhill, downhill more and more. And I think this is finally the season where we we, we get to the point where he doesn't get a win. Or he doesn't get a winning record. And it's, it's going to be a tragic break of a streak. But every streak is meant to be broken. And I think this is one. The time has come. Uh, I might be wrong. Again, this might be a Steelers team that can put it all together and, and fool me once. And play play that, that offensive line played at times last year like it was really good. They can do that all season. Maybe I'll shut up about it for once. But I don't think it's happening. Um, sorry to all our friends over there in the Steelers uh, tailgates. But, uh, yeah, it's just not going to be a fun season to be a Steeler. I will say if uh, their offensive line could get like 1% better and Kenny Pickett could take like that next step – I like Joey Porter Jr. too. I need to see. I want to see him translate well. There is a path for them to be really good, but the, when you're in the AFC North, it's you need a pretty. It's a tough. There's a lot on that path. It's not smooth sailing. It's yeah. not a yellow brick road with with pine cones and sunflowers. Like there's some there's some demons on on this path. So they they got a long ways to go forward. So seven and ten is very very possible. Do you ever play that video game on your phone or on maybe on a desktop where you have a pipe here and you have a pipe up here and you have to figure out a way to connect them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of where they're at. This is their pathway. This is where they need to get to. You got to get in connection, except for the problem is in between here, it's explosives. It's bombs. There's just constant bombs. You have to figure out the route to get there without touching on an explosive. Can you do it? Yes, it's possible. Is it likely? No. You're um, like Miles Garrett in between. Good luck. Yeah, you have Miles Garrett. Uh, they play the Niners as well. So you have Bosa in this involved in this as well. Um, so, yeah, it's not a pretty schedule for the Steelers uh, for, at all. Um, also, you have the Titans you have to go deal with. You have the Jaguars who have a resurgent line. I mean, heck, you even have to deal with the Rams for some reason, which I don't really – I'm not so concerned about. But you never know. who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll surprise me and they'll be a concern. You have the Seahawks you have to worry about. You have the Colts you have to worry about. You have yeah, the Patriots yeah, yeah. you have to worry about. I, at this point in time, I'm just saying they have to worry about everything because eventually they'll worry about it all correctly and it'll be successful. But – yeah, no, anyway, Steelers 7-10. and 10. I'm getting off track here. So we're just going to go with that and call it swell, uh, which will take us to number three. And just like you, I have the Cleveland Browns here at number three. But unlike you, I'm not as friendly about the Cleveland Browns. But I wasn't that unfriendly either. Uh, <laughs> I was very dude-wiped-esque to them. Um, made the ugly brown uniforms just to look, look a little better with the white helmet. Uh, made them 9-8 and eight for the season. 
not terrible, not great. It's a winning record. The reason why I have him in the middle, it's very simple. Kevin Stefanski. I don't know how good of a coach he really is. Yes, you got to the playoffs with Baker. But did you get to the playoffs in spite of yourself? Because we've seen your coaching abilities the last two years, and they're not great, if we're being honest. Why you're out here when you need a short yardage situation and you take off Nick Chubb, who was one of the best short yardage running backs, and put in Kareem Hunt, or Dearness Johnson, I'll never understand. Why your best pass rusher is Miles Garrett, and when healthy, you take him off the field in a third and long situation for your opponent to complete a 17-yard pass to get a first down, I will not understand. Um, so there's, there's situations where, yes, I know he's not in control of everything. I know he's an offensive guy. He's controlling the offense. I get it. But when you have all the weapons you have on offense and you're not winning games or you're winning 13-3 to or 17-14, to you're not even hitting 20 points, makes me question your offense. You have one of the most athletic tight ends in, in, in the league in David Njoku, and I honestly don't see athleticism when I watch David Njoku uh, run the routes you make him run because he's a lot of times chipping and getting involved inside the line. And the dude's an athletic freak. Let him go be an athletic freak. You have Harrison Bryant who can block for you. He's there. He exists. Use him. Like, you can run two tight end sets. It's okay. Um, but the Browns defense, I, you know, look, it is what it is. It's it's a it's a smaller defensive uh, linebacker set, so you can't get involved too much in the run game. But when they're free to just kind of roam around and do their thing, they're a fantastic linebacking set. Uh, Anthony Walker, really one of the most underrated linebackers in the league still. I know he didn't have a great year last year, also hampered with injuries, but still one of the better linebackers in the league. I'll stand by that. Um, so, yeah, look, for me, the, the Browns, it could be 9-8. and eight. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. This could be a 13 and 14 by the end of the season. But this 9 and 8 for me, I'm going right in the middle here just to split the difference because I just don't know what to expect from Stefanski. We're kind of in the same page. I'm more questioning what we see for number four at in the town at quarterback and with Stefanski and that link up as well, too. So there are just a lot of questions to be answered. And those six games last year raised more questions than answers. So I think we're basing the same. They'll win some games, they'll lose some games that will we'll split the difference. It could still very well be a playoff team. Though. Exactly. So that'll take me to number two and number two in the division. Well, I switched it up a little bit on you this time. I'm going Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going Joe Shiesty and squad. From the Bengals fan himself. I'm the new, the newly, newly minted Bengals fan himself. I say newly minted because for those who haven't watched, I've been debating becoming a uh, Bengals fan for multiple seasons in a row now. And just have not made the jump yet. Still have not made the jump. But they are probably by far my second favorite team. Very closing, very close to my first favorite team. Uh, but the reason why they are number two in the division, they finish 11-6. They only go three and three in the division. As you talked about in, in the AFC North or in the NFC North conversation, they're going to beat each other up. I think this is the division that beats each other up. Uh, splits a lot of games in, in, amongst themselves. And I see the Brown, the Bengals being kind of the crim or the I don't know. I'll say the criminal, the the uh, the person who takes the the most hits here, going three and three in the division. Um, I, I do like the Bengals, but I think you're right. They're going to start out struggling without Joe Shisey. Um But you know, you still have Jamar, you still have T. Higgins, you still have Tyler Boyd, you still have Joe Mixon. You got better at the tight end position. Your offensive line is still good. Uh, you got better all around, except for at safety, in which you lost you, the best safety. You had in Jesse Bates. I still think you should have paid the man, but I digress. Um, 
I understand getting younger, and that's that's okay. I get that, but I still think you pay him and draft Dax Hilton nonetheless. Uh, but yeah, look, I'll take what you get. Uh, I do worry about that as a back end situation potentially. Is that safety role needing to be a little bit more secure at the back end of the season? But I think Dax will grow into that position, be able to be successful down the road, and by the time playoffs roll around, he'll be a good a good fit there. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go Cincinnati Bengals eleven and six at number two in the division, which. Well, that'll take us to number one. I'm just going to go and get it out of the way. That's right. I'm talking the Be More Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, Lamar, he's healthy. He has a point to prove. Tyler Huntley is a pro bowler, and Lamar is not standing for that. His backup will not be the only pro bowler in that quarterback room. I guarantee you that. Lamar Jackson, and I do have them finishing 11-6 as well. As I said, the Bengals taking the hit. For the division wins, Baltimore going 5-1 and one of the division takes the nod there. But Lamar, I think Lamar is a fantastic option here. You talked about that op- that that new offense. You know the one thing that, that, that he ran in college that was successful was a spread offense. And guess what this is going to be? This is going to be his exact offense from college moved to the NFL. So you're telling me a guy who won a Heisman, potentially could have won two Heismans had they actually played him in every game, would ha- is now playing in his best fit of an offense. All around. While all my worries about Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson and that fit for Cleveland, I have zero issues with the Ravens right now. And I've talked about this before. If you have an, a, a God-given talent at quarterback in Lamar Jackson, who is, yes, he can run, but he also does throw very well. Now you build an offense that fits his skill set perfectly. I, you can't ask for a better situation. This is the one thing in the pro coaches I've always done that bothered me was they would never fit the talent around them. They'd always stick to their system. Because evidently that's supposed to be what you do in the pros. So, yeah, screw that. You know what? They're doing the right thing in Baltimore. Make that offense work around the guy you just paid, the guy who got you, a, who has gotten you to the fir- the most powerful position you've been in since your last Super Bowl, since Ray Lewis was running this team along with Jamal Lewis on the offense. Uh, by the way, you didn't have a good quarterback at that point in time either. Trent Dilfer, shut up. I don't. Joe Flacco, he was, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl now with Ray Lewis. I don't count Joe Flacco. He doesn't exist in my eyes. <laughs> he probably doesn't yeah. exist in many Ravens fans' eyes either. But yeah, no, I think I think Lamar and this team is just very good. Um, the defensive situation with you know, uh, as we talked about with the injuries, is going to going to raise some questions. But I do think they stay healthy most of the year. And I mean, say what you will, but you have eight guys on this field at one time that could be a linebacker, uh, and that's including all basically all of the defensive line, Marlon Humphrey and Kyle Hamilton. They can all play linebacker if you, if you really need them to. So you have a bunch of fast guys that like to fly around the field and hit people. I'm not concerned in a division where they like to run the ball. I'm not concerned in a division where they like to throw the ball. I'm not concerned very much at all. Um, I think they're they're athletic enough to get there. So, yeah, give me the Baltimore Ravens 11-6 winning this division and a tough, tough sledding season. Let me just ask one question off of that. Do you think Lamar plays all 17 games? No. No, I think he plays 15 out of 17. I do think they hold him out of one just because of maybe a potential nagging injury. I do think at one point in time, he has an ankle thing that always pops up. Uh, historically, he's really only ever played 14 or 15 total games, except for his MVP season. So, I mean, that's – and even that, he almost missed a game because of a nagging ankle injury. So He sat out one game in that since they locked up the number one C2. So, I guess in theory, yeah. he didn't miss a game, just not – yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that's the same situation. I think 11 and 6 is this, like they know they have it wrapped up, so they're just like, all right, Lamar, take a break. All right. We don't care if we lose this game. We have Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley behind you. You're fine. So, 
Yeah, I, I like Lamar, but I just I don't. I, it is what it is. At the end of the day, like you know, he is injury prone, so you always have to factor that in. I will say he's going to be a top five fantasy quarterback this year if he plays enough games. I like when for our fantasy rankings, I have him in the top five, but that's assuming that's of course barring injury because I think as you mentioned, this offense is tailor made for him. And the last thing I'll mention, Todd Monkey coming over from Georgia. Who's one player when you think about that Georgia offense that has absolutely thrived? Brock Bowers. Uh, I was about to say I'm going to go Brock Bowers and Arnold Washington both. Um, tight end situation there. Brock Bowers from even those shovel passes, those tight end screens. And now you get Mark Andrews involved. Bingo. Brock Bowers, top five pick next year. Now you got Mark Andrews, top three tight end this year. Lamar Jackson with legs much more extensive and athletic, but Lamar is different. Like they're going to have some fun in Baltimore. You know, we talked about this with Mark Andrews before. He's he's always been a talented guy coming out of Oklahoma. It's just never been, you know, a, a lot of people think it's just like, oh, he's being good because of Lamar. No, no, realistically, he he's a very talented receiving tight end. But on top of that, he does like to block. So that's what makes their run game so efficient. Um, is he? You don't have to pull him out when it comes to those situations. But that also is what makes their passing game so good is because you don't know if it's a run because Mark Andrews is in is, is in, in both running and passing plays. So you have it. You ha- you're able to allow him to chip and then get off that block and then run one of those seam routes that Brock Bowers successfully ran over in Georgia. He'll be doing the same thing against the Bengals in week whatever it is. Like the dudes, it's going to be a fantastic setup. And now again, you have weapons on the outside as well. You don't just you don't have short guys that Lamar has to fit it into a gap in on the outside. As much as I love Marquise Brown, I'm sorry he wasn't the right fit for Lamar at the end of the day. His entire skill set is zoom. Yeah, like don't get me wrong, Lamar can throw the zoom pass, but he needs a guy that's over six feet to throw that ball to. Like, yeah, I mean you can't have a five foot eleven receiver as your number one receiver in the NFL. Very rarely does it ever work. If Unless their name is Steve Smith Sr., in which case it works. That's just the exception to the rule. I will say it will work if the guy can run routes and works all over the field as well, too. Like what Zay Flowers is going to bring to the table. He's not just a run straight, run a deep post or run a nine route guy like Hollywood was. With Zay Flowers, you can line him up inside, outside, and he can run the full route tree, which I think is going to be a huge, that's going to be a huge addition for him. Plus, Odell's explosive, plus Rashad Bateman and, as you mentioned, Mark Andrews, you could split him out into like the slot slash like Y spot just off the line. That's it. You have that guy on the outside setting the edge for you too against the safety on Lamar on a QB sweep. When it looks like it's a pass setup, but instead you just have a tight end lead blocking for you. That's as big as he is. Like they're going to be really good offensively. They can stay healthy. I'm really looking forward to them. And I'm glad you put them in number one because it would have felt like a crime if neither one of us did for winning this division. Yeah. I almost did it. I almost did, but I'm still, I'm still butthurt after last year. I had them winning the division and the injuries took over. So I, yeah, I think no, these I, two, they're going to be really good. I'll also add in one other player of this offense that most people overlook, and, and I honestly almost did as well. Isaiah Likely, uh, the number two tight end, just as athletic as a receiver, but he's what six foot five, six foot six. So, uh, yeah, absolute freak of a of a player as well. Um, look for him to also be impactful this season. Unfortunately, we'll probably take some touches away from somebody like Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, but he's going to be advantageous for Baltimore Ravens Ravens fans for sure. Absolutely. So real quickly for the people who's tuning in, go ahead and recap what you have for the AFC North. Yeah, so number four, the AFC North. I've got Pittsburgh Steelers finishing out bottom of the barrel, 7-10. and 10. Mike Tomlin finally having a losing season. Uh, the Cleveland Browns finishing number three, 9-8. and eight. Could shoot up, could go down. We'll have to wait and see how that offense meshes together with a full season. Number two, Cincinnati Bengals, 11-6. and six. Tough start to the season. They'll figure it out just like they always do under Joe Burrow. And at number one, the Baltimore Ravens at 11 and six as well, winning off of the divisional tiebreaker. 
And Lamar is going to look fantastic for this new season with a new offense. And Mark Andrews is still going to dominate. And real quickly, taking a look at the fan vote right now as well, too. We got the Steelers at the bottom at 9-8. and eight, The Browns winning the tiebreaker of them at 9-8 and eight as well. The Ravens with a 13-4 and four record, but still second in the division. And Kelsey, Cincinnati Bengals at 15-2, and two, taking the division in the AFC North from the fan vote. So, looks like we're all kind of in a similar train of thought here as well, too. And it looks like the AFC North is going to be really, really competitive this year. Just like the NFC North, minus your thought of the Packers. But otherwise, it looks like we got awfully competitive competitive battle for the kings in the north somebody has to have the number one overall pick is all i got to say damn if you take caleb williams you take a stake with jordan love do you trade for a king's ransom that would be fun if they pulled that off but we're not done yet because who says they do have the number one picks we still have another set of divisions to go through we got the afc and the nfc south to deal with next week's arguably the two two of the worst divisions depending on paper so those will be the last of our division recaps before we go into our playoff and awards which will be just in time for nfl kick off thursday so we appreciate you all for joining us here to talk about the afc and the nfc north if you haven't yet go check out our tier tuesdays our most recent one where we talk about nfl head coaches you definitely don't want to miss that one some interesting spots in there but that'll be all for us this week we will see you all again next time